Welcome to the opening whistle of the weekly recess. We are the Jersey nerds. I'm Mitchell Lee here. I was about to call myself Jeff because for some reason, that's the name I gave myself in this uh, here meeting alongside Tommy Grant, Connor Vandermark, Nick Izzo. Guys, I want to say it was a fun weekend of NFL action. There's a lot of really bad quarterback play. I don't know what to call it, but I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves at least. It, it was a fun weekend because there's a lot of close games. I, I enjoyed it. I This is probably the first weekend so far this season that I've actually stayed up and watched the games because I was interested to see the outcomes because they were so close. Oh, okay. Because I, I took melatonin during the first quarter of the Bills-Giants game just because you, you couldn't make me care. Um. <laughs> Yeah, but I went back I and watched a lot of that because it was a much closer game than I previously expected. I, I was not expecting that outcome at all to be that close. Yeah, me um, me being a fan of the team, I I did not think the Giants were going to play defense as, as well as they did. Um, you know, that, that really showed a lot, but at the same time, like, it just... It just continues to show you just how inept they are with with their offensive play. What was your most frustrating part of that game? The most frustrating part? I would say and and see this part this part's tough because he's just the backup and this is really the first game that he played, but I feel like the I feel like the Giants had a chance to win that if they kicked the two field goals instead of like you know, I guess trying to get the touchdowns. And what I mean by that is, you know, in the second right before the halftime, uh Tyrod Taylor like like audibles into a run play when they didn't have a timeout. And you know that the defense is just gonna, you know, stay on top of the you know, the last guy in the huddle to prevent you know, the next play from happening. So rather than get three points there, they got nothing. And then he just, he missed some throws. And then at the end, the, just the clock and the play management, it just, you know, that, that probably frustrated me more than anything. And then, I mean, also the refs to me missed a whole bunch of calls with holding at the end of Darren Waller. You had, um, you know, just like a bunch of missed defensive holdings. So I would say between Tyrod Taylor's and, uh, you know, the refs, that's probably what frustrated me the most. Defense, defense played like hell, though. I mean, they made Josh Allen look pretty pretty normal. So that was nice to see. I mean, they, they held him for the entire game. They just fell apart in that last quarter. They Buffalo did. just came in strong. And... They did. <laughs> You can only hold down Josh Allen so long. For so long, uh, yeah. he's He might be able to Absolutely. give you some turnovers, but he's also going to have some big plays. Him and Stephon Diggs, you're, you're just not going to be able to shut them down, but you might be able to contain them for yeah. a little bit. And that's that's what the Giants did. I've had a big problem with the, the ref ball the first few weeks of this season. It just feels like the refs are so much more involved it's in determining it's outcomes bad. of games. Yeah, it's bad. It's horrendous. It's and as a Jets fan, I feel like I've seen it a ton more. But it's not even like 
the, the Jets have had like a big call go against them in basically every game this season. But then I turn on any other game, it's the same and story there's game. tons of big plays getting wiped off the board, yep. and just it, it's it's not what you come to the game to see. It's not what you turn on the game to see. It's it's really it, it's it's not good. I'm not a fan of it whatsoever. It's almost as if that there's a quota for for the refs to like throw flags, and you know you 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 look at some replays and you know you as a fan you understand you know what they deem as reviewable and non-reviewable, but like when they show the play on the jumbotron. And it's just like the ref just blatantly misses it. You just wonder, like, like what pair of eyes are you looking like at this game that you just you you missed that or you you felt that they that you needed to call that? And yeah, like you said, I've heard the following phrase. I've heard the following phrase more in the first six weeks of this season than I have the last two or three years combined. Ooh, I don't know about that one. Yep. yep. Like, I've heard more open criticism of officials, and I'm not sure what they were seeing right there from play-by-play and color commentary yep. in the booth. And I'm not saying that those guys are the be-all, end-all of what is or isn't the right call. I'm just saying that I'm hearing a lot more of it yes. than usual. For certain. I'll say, I'll say this. Um, I wish that there was more accountability for the refs. Like one thing None right now, I'm not an NBA watcher. Just, I just never really got into it, though I do like some storylines and stuff. One thing the NBA definitely got right is having like the refs be able to have like a post game, like they, they can do a post game conference and like, they'll talk about a call that they may have missed and like, yeah, they, they own up to it or like, they have the, they can have the reporters talk to them, and I think it's something that I think sports should have more of because of the fact that there's so much gray area. Like you can you can say like, hey, I from how I saw it, this is how I saw it. At least have an explanation. Don't let things be open ended and let everybody speculate. Because to me, like that's just you no know, that that causes more harm than good, and we can at least see how they can try to justify it. And to do a shitty job justifying it, that's their own fault. Because the fact that if you, you're trying to convince us that, you know, you made the right call or own up to it. It's like, yeah, I screwed up. It happens. Part of the game. And I, I think them having that accountability would at least – it would at least give the game itself more of a uh, – it gives it more integrity, I guess you can say, of the watching of itself. Because if they know they're going to have to be accountable, then they have to make sure that they're making the right – they have to be sure of their calls. And one thing that drives me nuts too is, like, especially when plays are at, like, you know, when a touchdown is close to being scored, call it a touchdown. You have a free review. Take it. Like – Well, the thing about that is uh, I understand uh, just... the mentality – but it's also supposed to be at least, and this will kind of go into the big discussion from week six, is that 
if something is called a touchdown on the field, it's supposed to be a touchdown unless there there's clear and obvious evidence yeah. that it was not a touchdown. If it's called not a touchdown on the field, same thing, just the reverse. I agree. And the two biggest storylines from this week were both the teams that came in undefeated were no, no longer undefeated. The 49ers lost it to the Cleveland Browns, and the Eagles lost to the New York Jets. Yay. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that here in a bit, but both of those games had calls that were just massively weird. The 49ers basically had the game won, but the Browns got like a, it was like a helmet-to-helmet call when it was very clearly not a helmet-to-helmet hit. No. And it extended a drive for the Cleveland Browns that should have been over. And the 49ers, did they play their best game? Absolutely not. They had a lot of people leave the game with injuries. But the call on the field there did not help whatsoever. And the Eagles had a touchdown after a 19-play drive in the first quarter where it was ruled that Jalen Hurts did not score a touchdown. And Fox showed two replays and neither of them looked like he got across but they said that they ruled it a touchdown and you have to have clear evidence to overturn that and nothing that i saw said hey clear even said we're considering this and they didn't bother to show another replay of it for the rest of the game which was just beyond sketchy to me it was very strange So we had both of those games. Now, Cleveland and the Jets both did everything they needed to do to win those games. And I'm glad that they won the games. And the 49ers and Eagles, every team's going to lose. And it's about how you respond from that. Specifically, the Eagles, I think, need a little bit of a wake-up call because they've been playing with their food a lot this season. And... You kind of need to take an L to wake you up sometimes. Um, Which of these games do you think gave you the most as far as, I don't know about that particular team? Or was it just, hey, Browns and Jets came out and looked great? No, Philadelphia. They've they've been very suspect for a while now with that offense. Like, their defense is injured. I get it. But with Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown – like Devonta Smith, DeAndre Swift, you expect them to run over teams. And I'm really curious of them losing their offensive coordinator has affected them in their play calling because obviously they are not the high-flying offense that they were last year. And I think it really, you know, they deserve to be put underneath the microscope of, you know, can, can they get it done when it really counts? That was my takeaway as well, because clearly the Eagles offensive coordinator, I want to say his name is Brian Johnson, who has... I'm going to Google it. Keep going. Uh, Yes, it's Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson is their offensive coordinator. He came in for Shane Steichen when he left for the Colts. And clearly his game plan was DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner are going to be out for the Jets. We are going to throw the ball all over the yard. But the Eagles, despite how good Hurts and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith are, 
they are a running football team. They've got one of the best offensive lines in the league. And when they can get the run game going with DeAndre Swift, that is when they're at their best. Because then the passing game is just wide open in the second half if you're able to run the ball so well. They ran the ball 22 times, 10 times with DeAndre Swift for 18 yards. 10 carries for 18 yards for DeAndre Swift. And Jalen Hurts was under pressure all night, which is, he's not used to being under pressure. The offensive line, he only got sacked twice, but one of those, he really got sacked. The ball knocked out, but it was intercepted because I guess it was technically a a forward pass. It was picked off. That could have easily been a third sack. He escaped a lot of others and just threw the ball out of bounds. But the plan was, hey, we're going to throw the ball. Devontae Smith had five catches on 11 targets. That's not usually the case with Devontae Smith. He's much more of a playmaker usually, and he had some big drops. A.J. Brown was doing his thing. But yes, the Eagles definitely need to be put under the microscope for this. This was a game that was there for the taking. They had four turnovers. The Jets' defense did a fantastic job, but you also think of the Jets... And you think Brees Hall running the ball. Brees Hall only had 39 yards rushing. 12 carries, 39 yards. This was not the Brees Hall showcase that it was in Denver. Eagles could have totally won this game, gone 6-0. and Nick like, Sirianni's got to come under fire for this, too. Like, here is the thing, though, like, Overall, though, like the Eagles defense did not play bad either. Like the they got the, pressure all night. The Jets' third down efficiency during this game was two for eleven. Like that's garbage. Like you're 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 creating stops for yourself, but when your offense is not you no, know, when your offense is not putting up more than twenty points from the weapons that you have, that's not acceptable. It really isn't. They they shouldn't been they shouldn't have put themselves in that position in the first place. And because and I thought you put it very nicely where they were playing with their food and they they muffed it. Simple as that. Yeah, the, this this was a game that should have the last four games for DeAndre Swift, because they didn't really play him much in the Pats game. 4.1 yards a carry, 4 yards a carry, 8.1 yards a carry, 6.3 yards a carry to 1.8 against the Jets. Everyone wants to point the finger at Jalen Hurts for turning the ball over. I pointed at we couldn't ever get the ground game going and abandoned it at a point. And the Jets defense just kind of closed in. Jermaine Johnson, Bryce Huff looked incredible. They and Zach Wilson has truly bought into I'm going to be a game manager. I'm not going to run around, do a bunch of crazy stuff, throw the ball to the other team. I'm going to be a game manager because this team can win games if I just play like that. And that's proven to be true. I agree. I agree. If he just kind of stays within that and, you know, he just, like you said, doesn't try to do too much with it then you know you can you can kind of 
um, you know, rely on the defense, so to speak, because they, they kept the Eagles to, what was it, 14 points, right? So, yep. mm-hmm. I mean, they when didn't you, score in the second half, right? When you, when you hold the team like that, even if they, even if they have been suspect all year, even when you hold them to, to not scoring in the entire back end, that's, that's, that's amazing. So I, I give massive credit to the Jets defense for, you know, being on the field for so long, for so long and just, you know, grind, grinding out all those all those drives. Does the 49ers loss give you any pause about Brock Purdy? I don't think it gives me any not- pause about Brock Purdy, per se. Um, he's not going to be amazing every game, of course, but, um, but you're going to have those games where you definitely see the, oh, you know he's 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 a newer quarterback, so you you see the moments in it. Um, definitely with Debo Samuel out, um, you know he looks to Brandon Ayuk a lot and to uh, McCaffrey at backfield. But once McCaffrey was um, you know rolled out for I think it was the rest of the game, then you saw a lot of the offense was was definitely suspect for sure. Like we don't have any weapons. Like I don't. I never seen. Like Purdy to me doesn't have the, that elite level. Like I can do it myself attribute from, but like, San Francisco you don't need that because you're surrounded by amazing players. You know, Kittle, Debo, McCaffrey, and Ayuka are amazing offensive weapons to have. But when you don't have that, when you lose half of them, and let's get credit where credit's due, Cleveland's defense has been great all year. Sure. And th- that's a big challenge to go against when you're missing some of your huge weapons that really are game changers. CMC can literally put a team on his back when he wants to. So I don't blame them from this. There, I don't blame them from this loss. Cleveland's defense is the reason why they're still as highly regarded in, in their division. So I think they're fine. Like there's, there's no alarm bells ringing for them. Plus not that you but want to throw blame, but you know, the kicker did miss a field at the end. Like I Hardy think put him in a position to win that game at the end. He did. He did. Like Sunday night football next week is going to be a real tell for the Eagles. Like they're playing Miami. So damn right, baby. I hate to say it, Tommy, but I think that this is a game where Dolphins' defense gets exposed. <laughs> I'm taking the over for the Miami. I think and, both, and I think both defenses are going to go. Exposed. I mean, going going into the Bills the season, already kind of did that. But yes, going into the season, I Eagles were definitely one of the teams I was looking at that I didn't think Miami was going to be able to handle. But not to trash on the Jets or anything negative towards the Jets, but after this past game. Their, no, defense I totally understand look, that. their defense wasn't looking strong. So I I don't know. I could see it being another close game, kind of like how Eagles, Jets, and Giants, Bills were this week. I can see that being the situation next week where it comes down to the wire. I think it's going to be an offensive me, shootout. Of course, I want Miami to win, so I'm hoping Miami will pull it off, but I, I don't know. Well, the Dolphins 5-1 and one 
Now you're tied yeah. for the best record in the league. You spotted the Panthers a 14-0 advantage in the first quarter and then just came back guns blazing. Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, and the Miami offensive show. A 42-21 win. Again, it's the Panthers. I'm not sure how much you can really take away from that game. but It was an expected win for me. I, I wasn't the team surprised you were supposed by any to beat. Yes. Took care of business, which, as we've seen across the league, is not necessarily a given week to week. Uh, there were a lot of other teams that I thought were really impressive. Uh, the Detroit Lions going into Tampa and easily oh. taking care of the Buccaneers. Oh. Uh Lions, I mean, Jared Goff is playing, I think, the best football of his career right now. Yes, he is. It's, oh. it's He's been accurate. He's been on time. And him on him and Amon Ra have a great connection. If Jamison Williams can just give them a couple big plays a game like he did against Tampa, they really have a complete receiving core with Laporta. He got Gibbs out of the backfield, throwing him the ball. This Lions offense can really be something, and I think that they're a force to be reckoned with in the NFC, up there with teams like Philadelphia, San Francisco, and I told you guys, I'm not a fan of them by any means, but we needed to kind of cool off with the Cowboys' hatred and breathe a little bit. I said they would get over 10 wins. Connor was very... uh, adamantly opposed to that possibility but they go on the road they beat the chargers and i think that they overcame some bad coaching but they were also gifted a uh, pretty lackluster justin herbert performance in that game as well but they made plays when they needed to make plays cd lamb looked good micah parsons stepped up late cowboys are gonna have some games like that this year Well, the next two games are the Rams and the Eagles. So, hey, if they can figure it out offensively, then I'll have a lot more confidence. Because defense is what's going to win them games. And that was definitely proven last night. Uh, what I think that was. Today is Tuesday, by the way, for those who don't know, <laughs> for recording this. Um, yes, October 17th. Why did uh, I want to say St. Patrick's Day? That's not what this is. Yes. Um, so... Like, I think they're they're fine. Like, I have no high expectation. Like, their expectation is like the most middling thing for me. Like, they have like divisional matchups, but like they can beat the Giants. They can probably beat the Commies. Commies can figure it out. Commanders, for those of you who don't know, I call them that. Um, yeah, really ironic for what state it's for. We've got to go. <laughs> we've got to go right back on the Desmond Ritter thing. By the way. Mm-hmm. He gave oh. us he gave us some signs of life again, and now he takes them away. And they would have won that game with they they win that game with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely a again. I'm not gonna be high on them. Like they they are. I have no Super Bowl hopes for them at all. Like there there is nothing to me that guarantees to me as that them being an elite team. Like oh, Atlanta. No, uh, let's talk about the Cowboys. Oh, Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, they, I just don't think that Dak wasn't as good yesterday as people are apparently saying that he was. That offense, 
was going without putting up points for quite some time. Again, this was a 10 to 10 game going into the fourth quarter. And the Chargers defense wasn't doing anything spectacular. Yeah, the, the Chargers defense has been, again, a fine defense. Like, like you look, I think that's even kind of generous. That's generous. Yeah, like 27, 27 points against the Titans, 24 against the Vikings, and then you play the Raiders, who are the Raiders. Like, they are hit and miss. So, like, they're not like a they, – they don't they won't scare you. And putting only 20 points against them is definitely a cause for concern. I'm concerned about the Seahawks. That was the game in the 1 o'clock window that I was watching the most intensely was Seahawks and uh, Bengals. And Geno Smith, it just felt like his offensive line was leaving him out to die all game, particularly late in the game when they had receivers getting open. But by the time that Geno could pull the trigger, he was on the ground. And the run game never really got going because no holes were opening up. And the Bengals, they were kind of in the same boat where the Seahawks secondary was playing really well. And this was a matchup that the Seahawks, watching the game, Seattle should have won this game. But their offensive line kept them from being able to make the plays late to seal the deal. That they, I mean, guys were getting open. This was the first game that I've seen where it's like, oh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, there he is. Things are happening. Geno's hitting Tyler Lockett downfield. DK DK had his moments. (laughs) DK Metcalf was, you know, throwing people to the the ground after the play. But the Bengals, I mean, they had 46 yards rushing and Joe Burrow threw for 185. Yeah. Why aren't you winning this game? Yeah. This is a game that you absolutely should have won. They should, I think they should have won. Did, doesn't Seattle play more zone defense too? If I remember that correctly. So that's what From they, what that's I what saw, they played it during the Legion of Boom all the time. It didn't look like it because I Trey Brown had an interception where he was man to man on I think T Higgins, and it was just like teach tape coverage fantastic work and and devon witherspoon was holding his own against i think jamar chase for most of that game too i mean jamar chase had 80 yards but half uh, he had six catches on 13 targets so there are plenty of opportunities that just weren't being converted t higgins at 20 yards but the the one the one they want to the one they they want to highlight though is Joe Burrow did the same thing he did last week uh, against Arizona where he kept hyper-targeting Jamar Chase and only catching six catches out of 13. It's a pretty damn good job by the Seattle's defense. I'm kind of curious if other teams might try to switch it up on the uh, Burrow. Devon Witherspoon might be the defensive rookie of the year. He's been incredible so far. I know he missed a few games. Nick can tell you firsthand with the Giants that they, yes. they were talking about him all broadcast yep. on that Monday night football game and watching them against the Bengals. They didn't talk about him quite as much, but his presence was definitely felt. 
And, you know, Tariq Wollen had a fantastic year this year, and it's like he's been completely pushed aside because of how good Witherspoon has been. And Trey Brown's been good for them as well. But the Seahawks, they're not going to win the division because the 49ers are right there. Yeah. So they're going to be fighting for a wild card spot with teams yeah. like the Cowboys, with teams like the Rams, with uh, – I don't really think anyone in the NFC North is going to be fighting for that, but the NFC South, maybe the Falcons, Saints. So the Seahawks should be a playoff team, but wins like this are the difference between you playing the NFC South champion in the first round versus playing like the 49ers or Lions or Eagles in the first round. Yeah. These are the Um, games you have to win. This is not the right week, but it's looking. It's uh, from what I can see. I'm looking at PFF, but it definitely looks like the uh, Seahawks are one of the highest running uh, zones right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, those corners were doing a fantastic job, and they they held up their end of the bargain. It was the boys in the trenches protecting Geno that didn't. That didn't do what they were supposed to do. Uh, are there any teams week six that caught your eye? Good, bad, probably not indifferent, but just. Uh, pulling it up right now. Give me one second. Did you do? I have so many. I have so many tabs open right now. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> that this is my life when it comes to like balancing around. Like that's how my brain works. Hmm. one week six. Um, from what I can see, uh, I was happy that Jacksonville got their offense to get a little bit because I don't know how much of that was them getting their offense together or Gardner Minshew just throwing the ball right to him and giving them good field position. Oh yeah. He was slinging it right to the He looked horrible. He looked awful. Gardner Minshew that game. But it's nice to see though. Like I... That's something that I've been very concerned about. I, I've been keeping an eye on for them. Um, but Trevor Lawrence might be hurt. And they play that's, Thursday that's true. night. That's true. They play the Saints on Thursday night. And I know the Saints just lost the Texans, but that was no fault of the defense. It's a bad matchup for Jacksonville. It is. And it's a road game for them, too. On a short week with an injured quarterback. And yep, that's, think got, that's got a Saints victory written all over it. Yeah, I hope I kind I kind of hope they don't play Lawrence in that game and they give him the week to recover because the Saints are a physical team. They've got a better defensive line than I would have expected, and they play well on the back end. Speaking of hurt QBs, uh, Justin Fields out too, yeah, and uh, and Richardson's now gone for the rest Richardson's of the season. out for the season, so it's going to be the Gardner Minshew show, and I do expect that he'll be better. Than he was against Jacksonville, but it it can't be like that. that I'm was just sad. Horrendous. I'm just I'm just sad for Richardson because I was I was really enjoying. Yeah, man. I was really enjoy, watch, enjoy watching him play, and I was too. I was looking forward to seeing more Anthony Richardson because we didn't really get the Anthony Richardson CJ Stroud battle. Richardson was in for about the first quarter, dominated, and then left with an injury. So yeah. now it's C.J. Stroud being the lone AFC South rookie quarterback unless we get Will Levis sometime soon. 
which given the way Malik Willis looked when he filled in for Tannehill last week, it that could happen soon. Which the Ryan Tannehill era in Tennessee, I think, needs to come to an end. Whether it's oh, yeah. Willis, whether it's Levis, they need to go ahead and, and give those guys looks because Tannehill is hurt now and not playing well. He never played that well. Especially yeah, he's, no, he's been mediocre no, pretty much. No, all there's a career. lot to be desired. He, and he just He was fantastic when Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator and AJ Brown was there in Tennessee. When it was Corey Davis and AJ Brown and Arthur Smith in Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill was shockingly good. Like they could have won a Super Bowl, but it just it just didn't happen. They ran into Mahomes every year and that was a matchup that they were always going to have trouble with. Uh, C.J. Stroud, once again, you know, maybe not his best game through his first interception. That was something that was going to happen, but they find a way to win. D'Amico Ryan's really turning that defense around. But Derek Carr, it's it's been, it's been a rough start to his Saints tenure. Yes, it definitely has. I'm still curious how much that injury he had is lingering. Yeah, he got hurt a few weeks ago, and he it, it was thought maybe he'd miss a few weeks, and he missed no time whatsoever. Yeah, and no. Like, your offense for them, you have Olave, who's a great downfield threat, and it's nice to see them you know, working schemes for him. But at the same time, like you have to be able to, you know, be effective overall as a team. Like, you know, you have Michael Thomas who is older. You have Kamara who is also getting. How old is Kamara now? Like he's like what twenty twenty six. Oh, he's got to be older than that. Probably older than that. Like he's getting up there. Like this is twenty eight. He's twenty eight. So which is quite old for running back. So for like, running back, yes. For a yeah. general person, twenty-eight is just fine. No, no. He's he's literally a year younger than I am, and <laughs> not even probably. And like the fact that the times that the the clock on the offense is ticking when it comes to the the age of the players, at least of the like the, the dynamic positions, and like I want Derek Hart to succeed, but. I also want to see he needs to get healthy first, and um, I, I think once they once he does get the hundred percent, like in probably two or three more weeks, they probably be a little bit different. Like they'll probably be a little more explosive because he played well with Devontae Adams last year, and he was they had those two had a great connection with each other. Now I'm hoping that for him himself and Olave. So we'll we'll see. Also, um kind of a switch i heard a rumor somewhere um what team was he about to join uh oh, yeah, was i think he, i um, know what you're referring to mr rex ryan that's uh, not that that's not happening uh yeah uh no actually uh so broncos defense broncos. coordinator job yeah I, that's not happening According to Schefter, Rex Ryan isn't coming to the Broncos, quote, right now. And that was as of I, three hours, three hours ago as of Sports Illustrated. So, I don't think that that's a thing that's 
the whitest teeth think... in the broadcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't expect I, him to I, I don't I don't think gig. that's happening. No. Yeah, I think he enjoys being a talking head and wouldn't leave it unless he was going to be a head coach or making a ton of money. Yeah, but I bet he's making money at ESPN. Eh, that wouldn't would have surprised me. Uh, last question for you guys. If you had to start a team today and you had your choice, all right, you got this you got this team in front of you. Pretty solid team. But you have to start it with either Desmond Ritter or Mac Jones at quarterback. Who you own with? Matt Jones. No explanation, <sighs> just my friend. My gut says Ritter. The reason for that is because of the fact that he actually has. I, I the, the the thing is that it's not it's not a heavily scaled over to Riddle Ritter because of the fact that it's hard to grade Mac Jones because his offense's weapons is not great. Um, because at least Ritter has you know, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, even Jawan Johnson, who's been playing great as a tight end. Um, and then now you have Bijan in the back. So their offensive weapons is great. Um, but things like Ritter, Ritter can at least scramble. Like that's what, Mac I, that's Jones what I was going to say. Mac Jones is so slow. I would take he's, Ritter he's a just po- for that. He's a pocket passer, and pocket passers' longevity in the league, unless you're an elite player, is not great. Like I'm I- going to disagree. I, I think that Ritter has been better this season, but I would go with Mac Jones for kind of the reason that you brought up. Who the hell is Mac Jones throwing the ball to? Kendrick Bourne? Hunter Henry. <laughs> yeah, at least Ritter Ritter has Kyle Pitts and Drake London and has still found a way to prefer throwing the ball to the other team. Mac Jones hasn't really had that and have, has been running antiquated schemes for quite a while. So I would go with Mac Jones of the two, but neither have been good for obvious no. reasons. So that's where things stand after week six. Jets, big winners. Dolphins, I won't say big winners, but... They took care of their business. Giants uh, finding new ways to lose games. That's right. That's right. Giving they, their fans hope where really, most of them probably went in. They're really good at Went to that game going, you know what? I can't get hurt this game because I don't have expectations. And then they just find a way. It's rough, but... I mean, we've been there before as Jets fans, haven't we, Connor? I went. Into oh that, yes, that... I went into that game thinking that Josh Allen was going to throw for like five touchdowns and like three hundred yards. So, hey, at least that didn't happen. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> After that game, you, you almost wish it did happen in, in the sense that you, you thought would you, happen. You thought they would have a chance to to actually win, and then you know the 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 life just gets sucked right out of you. So it's the hope that kills you. 
It, it is. It is. Every single time. So I have a question to pose because okay. now we, we are now, what, six weeks in. And mm-hmm. now, we're see- now we're seeing a more, you know, clearer picture of how teams are. Who I'll rephrase this question from the beginning of the season or rehash this question. Who's going to win the AFC North? Ooh. I mean, I I would venture to stay with Ravens. Maybe maybe Browns. I would say the Ravens. I'm gonna go with the Bengals. I think they figure it out. Like with the injuries, with the like. If the Browns still had, um, they still have Nick, Nick Chubb. Nick I'm taking Chubb, them. I'm taking the Browns, but because they don't, and if like, Deshaun Watson looked like even an average quarterback, he felt like playing. I would take the Browns because their defense is so good. But they lost their top running back, and Deshaun Watson looks terrible. Yeah, and he he's apparently his shoulders falling off the bone like good barbecue. Yeah, like it's a. Uh... I think the Bengals, my 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 gut leans Bengals right now because that Steeler, that Ravens loss to the Steelers really, really hurts the Ravens in overall like the division itself and like them sorting things out. So I'm really curious how that 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 division is going to play out. They're they're going to cannibalize itself, Mm -hmm. right? Like like always. Right now they're all above or at 500. And as a Jets fan, it's like, all right, any teams in that area to start dropping games. The Chargers losing last night, for example. Very helpful. It's going to happen. The Steelers can't score points. The Browns can't really score points either. The Ravens have receivers that can't catch. And the Bengals have just kind of been miscombobulated all season. So... Losses will come. It's just a matter of when these teams play each other, who can get the upper hand? Because they're going to play a lot of games against each other down the stretch. I have one final question, which I think is a fun one. All right. Who has more wins at the end of the season? San Francisco or the Detroit Lions? Because they don't play San Francisco. Because they don't play each other this year, and I think the Lions can be possibly the number one seed in the uh, NFC. Let me. Uh, Here, certainly I'm, possible. I'm pulling up. I had I had the Lions schedule up right now. The Ravens are next week at, at the Ravens. Home Raiders at Chargers. Home Bears. Home Packers, at Saints, at Bears, home against the Broncos, at Vikings, at Cowboys, home against the Vikings. That's very doable. Where they they maybe drop two games, maybe. And then San Fran, you have the Vikings, okay. Uh, at Vikings, home against the Bengals, who are looking to turn it around. At the Jaguars. Home against the Buccaneers, at C- uh, at the Seahawks, at the Eagles, versus Seahawks, at Cardinals, versus the Ravens, at the Commies, and then so the Rams. 
Like, it's a very real possibility that those two teams will be tied for first place at the end of the season. Right now, I'm going to lean San Francisco. Yeah. I'm going to lean San Francisco, that's, but that's it's not a strong team. Although they, they, they lost, I think they're just too strong of a team. I, I, I'm glad that you're even bringing it up as a possibility. Because that means I, that you're taking the Lions seriously, and they absolutely deserve to be put in the same category as San Francisco and Philadelphia. I think they've earned that. Their defense has been strong. That's and the thing that that no, I don't think anyone's not talking about really though. They haven't played any. I'm I'm really curious about the Ravens because it's to be a good test for the Lions' defense because the only team that's really put points up on them is the Seahawks. Which has been north of thirty. Everybody else has I think not. The Ravens won that game, personally. I think the Lions win that one. It's gonna be. The, I think that's the game one of the, of the week better. Right there. My personal game. No, Sunday night football. Sunday, no, Miami versus uh, Eagles. Yeah, that's, we, that's we know that's gonna be a shootout. I, I, I'm excited does, for that. Does one. that make it less good? I don't, uh, not less good, but I I think in terms of like. What's what's gonna happen between the team? I, don't know, I, I just feel like Lions Ravens is gonna be a really close matchup, and I, Eagles, I think the Eagles are now gonna win a three nothing game against the Dolphins. Uh, yeah, I think the line the Lions and Ravens is gonna also be a shootout, and but I think that's underrated. The, I'll say I'll say it that way. But I think I think they win that game. I, I think that like what's the what's the spread for that game is right now. So I'm actually curious about this. Probably like two, two and a half, maybe. Baltimore, uh, three point favorites. Okay. Over under forty two, which I would take the over for that one. Yeah. I'm not touching that. I think the Lions are that good, and I know I know my, my Monty is questionable. Um, he's not playing. He's not playing. Um, but Jameer uh, Jameer Gibbs should be back, from what I've been hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you still have a, would would say a top athletic runner for backfield and like the Ravens, I think that they're fine. I think they're a good team, but I think the lines have the edge. Like if, if, if this line was Baltimore minus one, I'd be like, okay, I could see that. But I'm, I'm curious how, as the week goes on, where that line moves. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to leave things off. Uh, an exciting week's, week six slate raised a lot of questions. Hopefully we were able to, if not a- answer questions, at least, you know, it's, it's a fascinating slate of games and, uh, there's a lot still to be determined over the last few weeks. Aaron Rodgers might come back for all we know. There's yeah, a lot of a lot of stakes <laughs> still uh, up for grabs the next few weeks of the season. Uh, guys, as always, thanks for uh, we'll t- we'll talk chatting. hockey next. We'll talk hockey next week. I will say this back. I will say this right now though, because this game is on right now on my TV, and I've been I had just been stupefied by this is that the San Jose Sharks are up 3-2 
with only putting 11 shots on net compared to 30 from Carolina. And it's funny. I've been, yeah, I've had my eye on Colorado, Seattle, and it's kind of similar, but to a much less drastic degree. San Jose sucks. Like, they're going to be a bad team this year. No, hate me if you don't want San Jose fans, but like, they are in a rebuild and go, go tank for your number one pick. Do it. But this them, like, the goaltending for Carolina not putting up right now is funny. I, I, as a Dallas fan, it makes me a little happy. But that's it. All right. Well, for uh, Connor Vandermark, Nick Izzo, and Tommy Grant, I'm Mitchell Lee. Thank you for listening to the weekly recess and enjoy a fun week of NFL action ahead. Have a good night. See ya. Do uh, Make sure that.